and we're live. All right, welcome to an episode of Backstep Podcast. Uh, my name is Rusty Kramer, engineer with Kootenai County Fire and Rescue. I'm joined with two other individuals today, but before I introduce them and kind of the thought process into this was uh, we, we want to kind of create something. Um, when you get a bunch of firefighters together, you know, they all start talking about, you know, fire service, leadership, uh, tactics, command and control. Uh, so we wanted to kind of create something where we could have individuals, not just from our area, but across the country, have guests come on and interview them to give their kind of thoughts and process when it comes to that. And I have two individuals with me uh, that we'll be talking about today and uh, two mentors of mine. One, Justin Kapal, he's a battalion chief with Kootenai County Fire and Rescue, a fourth generation. Generation yeah, firefighter. Generation, yeah. yeah, and like I say, he's a BC for Kootenai County Fire Rescue, and then Captain Jim Oxenrider. Um, he's been in the fire service since 1996. Uh, how's it going today, gentlemen? Good. It's going excellent. So, why don't you, uh, Justin? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? A little bit about myself. I'm. Uh, I've been with Kootenai County Fire since 2005. I started in 2000. Uh, as a as a volunteer, and then got hired with Spirit Lake Fire up north, and got hired at Kootenai County Fire in 2005. Uh, recently, uh, eight months ago, been was promoted to battalion chief. I got a wife, three kids, all boys, uh, which you know I'm thankful for, and but they also keep me on my toes a lot. Uh, I am fourth generation. I have an uncle that works at uh, Spokane Valley Fire. He's a battalion chief over there. I have two cousins uh, that work for Kootenai County Fire and Rescue. Um, my dad was with Kootenai Fire. My grandpa was with the city of Coeur d'Alene and then Kootenai Fire. Uh, my great-grandfather was the first paid fireman for Kootenai County Fire and Rescue. So, you know, when we get together for family events, it's a lot of what we talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like I said, you know, in, in the intro, and I think that's what makes uh, – the fire service is so great is once you get us all together, right. We're all so passionate about the fire service in general. And, uh, you know, the conversations just, you know, go off from, from there. And, uh, the other individual on the podcast today is, uh, captain Jim Oxenrider cap. How are you doing? Can you talk a little bit about yourself? Tell us about yourself. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> currently I work as a captain, uh, for Cooney County fire and rescue. Uh, I started back with Cooney County fire and rescue back in 2002, uh, January, uh, I started the fire service in 1996 with Hayden Fire. Uh, there was very few uh, paid departments in our area at that time. In the northern Idaho area, mostly Coeur d'Alene and Kootenai Fire were the only two, I believe, that had uh, true crew members as a paid crew. Uh, Hayden was just kind of getting into that. They always had a paid chief. But uh, I started early then as a volunteer. Um, kind of enjoyed it. Uh, was always doing construction, uh, played some baseball and stuff. But... Uh, was very intrigued by that uh, service-based uh, uh, career. Uh, started, worked hard, worked my way in. 2000, uh, 2001, I saw Fire was testing. I went after that to transfer over to there. Was fortunate to get hired in 2002. Um, kind of worked my way through the firefighter ranks to a driver for a long time, and then uh, three years ago, got promoted to captain. Um, I also married uh, four kids, uh, Two of my own, two with my uh, current wife, and uh, just in, really just enjoyed being in the fire service and basically best job in the world. Yeah, and I think one thing uh, I know everyone at this table has in common is is a passion for training, and I, you know I, I think obviously that's why like second do and uh, second do training it's it's a, a, a 
training company that Justin and uh, Jim put together. Uh, and can you guys talk about that and kind of second D's mission and what you've guys accomplished during that time? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I th- we started second do training in 2015, 2014, 2015. And really we just had one goal in mind and that was just to get quality training out to a lot of departments that couldn't afford training. Uh, so we got a Jim and I, uh, Rick Clutter, Brett Lynch, Mike Bass, we kind of put our heads together and just started a company that we could uh, travel around and, and give other departments the opportunity to uh, have the same level of training that we were getting uh, at a reasonable cost. And so what stemmed from a meeting at a bar one night of, hey, we should do this has turned into six years of a lot of traveling, a lot of teaching, meeting a lot of great people. What I pride ourselves on is, you know, when we go into a class, we're no better than any other student. And I think that's what I pride ourselves on for second due training is, you know, we're there to learn with them. We had the opportunity to to add a lot of instructors from a lot of departments up here. And uh, even some in Montana, we've partnered with Kevin Shea, uh, who owns Glacier Rescue Solutions, uh, Will Allen from the Kalispell area. Uh, we got a lot of uh, instructors from North Idaho that go with us as well. And we've picked up some new mentors just from just from teaching for us, which has been pretty awesome. Yeah, just to kind of just kind of add on to what uh, Justin's saying is really that was the big idea was just being able. We were fortunate through our years uh, uh, with. Kootenai and just over the years just being able to go across the country and get some decent training and, and meet some good mentors and and uh, gather as much information we could from our experiences um, all over just going to different classes and we thought uh, it would be a good opportunity knowing a lot of people still in the volunteer departments that are asking us or uh, you know emailing us asking us to train with them or do something like that so that was kind of stemmed from that idea and then being state instructors teaching a few classes um you know, along the way, it just made sense to kind of put the company together and kind of build something a little more formal and then go out there and try to initiate some of that uh, education to other people. Not that we are by no means coming across that we are the best or know everything, uh, like Justin was saying, that we learn a lot from just the individuals that we get to uh, train with, um, regardless of their experience, because uh, a lot of the fire service, as we know, comes really falls back to just common sense and looking at the right things. So uh, we enjoy it. That's really where it came from. Like you said, one night in the bar, and we just pulled the trigger. It seems to be uh, a great opportunity for us, and hopefully it's been a great experience for other people. Well, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, your guys' last academy that you did, uh, you made a post about that. You had 12 instructors, six from different departments. So you're not just getting everybody from you know one department, let's just say, you know, Kootenai County Fire Rescue, but you're getting individuals from different departments who might have a, a different uh, – you know, thought process when it comes to certain topics, whatnot. That's what I think is really cool. Uh, you're providing, uh, you know, people at an academy or, you know, firefighters are looking to learn uh, a plethora of knowledge. Yeah. I think, you know, to add to that, we just, just to be around other like-minded people, right? We get together, uh, whether we're teaching or not, whether it's after class, we're in the restaurant, just to be around other people that share the same passion and uh, share the same mindsets as we do, you know, it really c- continues to push us to be better and to the next level and hold the standard that's that's higher than than most. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that was one thing. Also, you find a lot of people not just like-minded, uh, but being around strong individuals to disagree as well. Um, I think that's a lot of growing that happens with our conversations is being able to be strong-minded on certain certain things, but having a new perspective brought into your mind that maybe gives you something to look back into uh, maybe later on, even though you disagree up front, uh, gives you something to fall back on and maybe you know realize where their perspective is coming from. And overall, just improves everybody's, I believe, skill and knowledge base. So. Yeah, that was kind of the, one of the big things that kind of opened my eyes because uh, I taught with you guys uh, once uh, up north from here and uh, just seeing um, what that department has to offer, their, their challenges that they have to face. And man, I tell you what, once you start teaching uh, on a certain topic, being writ, uh, hose management or just deploying of hose, it just helps you master those basics so much more. And then when individuals ask you questions of topics or I guess questions of things that you didn't really think about, but like, huh, I never really thought about that way. And you'd be amazed regardless of paid volunteer of what you can learn from another individual, just open your mind, drop your ego at the door and uh, uh, just hear what they have to say. You were talking about before the podcast uh, of uh, Chief Eisen in regards to embracing the target. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it plays a lot into, you know, second do and some of the things we've done. And I think it was last July Chief Isaacson had put out a long post on his blog, and we had Chief Isaacson at Backstep Symposium uh, last October, uh, who just phenomenal individual. The passion he has for the fire service is something that I look to to get remotivated. And, uh, you know, he said back then, if you're pushing the envelope and doing extreme things, you're going to have a target on your back. And I think that we know that all so well. You know, people look at you different. People... they were, we had uh, Chris Slayer with us and, you know, he always talked about you pack a suitcase and travel 50 miles and you're an expert. And while entirely true, you know, it puts a target on your back in the local area. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's just, you know, as I became, you know, from a firefighter to an engineer and I would say I'm a pretty motivated guy and sometimes a little intense. And that's something I had to kind of look at and kind of just almost kind of pumped the brakes on because I was putting an own target on my own back. And yeah, I, what I thought I was doing was a lot of good by just, you know, holding people to a standard, to a strict standard, maybe to, uh, to what standard I held myself to, but sometimes I need to, you know, sometimes I think you just need to understand is you just need to be adaptable because you are going to do things, even though if you think it's right, if that's physical fitness or if that's spending a good amount of time, like hours on the on the training ground and pulling hose and whatnot. And some people aren't going to agree with that. And you're going to put a target on your back because you're doing what you think is right. But I think it's what I get in that. I think it's important to uh, make sure that you're kind of uh, being adaptable with other individuals. Does that make sense? Maybe a little humble, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And we've all gone through that stage, yeah. you know, at whatever part of our career. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think you uh, bring a good point, uh, Rusty. Like I said, it's we've all had our, our, our bouts of uh, whether we want to call it cocky or or uh, confident or whatever term you want to add to that thing. But I think the biggest thing is not really how you carry yourself all the time in the, in the way that you drive yourself. I think it comes really to the the part that I see is, is, is better that uh, – is really being able to adapt, like you said. I think adapting to people takes the threat away. Uh, I think being able to be relative with individuals and being able to treat, you know, look at their ways and, and figure out a way to, for you to grow as a, as a teaching style, I think is, is the bigger part that 
that we push ourselves to be able to to learn all different styles because you have people that yeah excel and and like yourself you have a a huge passion huge drive and very uh do very well at your at your craft of of your level of the fire service but the other end of it is to be able how to build a team in that so there's always going to be one weaker person on the team and it's how you're able to use those strengths amongst each other to kind of gather the whole goal i think and, and still meet the mission a lot of its approach i think as well yeah. the way we approach people when we uh you know, we look at incidents or we look at trainings and we look at techniques or hose loads and how we approach them to ask questions about it can determine the outcome of that answer. You know, if I come to you and say, well, why did you pull a two and a half instead of, hey, I noticed you pulled a two and a half. You know, what was your backup line? The way that you approach that has changed for me. That was kind of the, the biggest thing for me learning going from, you know, the military, spending five years in the Marine Corps in an infantry unit and then coming to the fire service. I mean, in the Marine Corps, you, it's you either bend or you break, you know, you're either right or you're wrong. And, uh, and if someone messed up, you just said, well, you know, what, what the fuck's wrong with you? Hey, fall in line right here. You can't necessarily do that. Right. You have to be uh, a little bit more adaptable. Like you said, it's all about approach. Uh, not so just like initially like criticizing right away, but maybe just seeing why did you do that? Ask the question, hopefully stimulate some conversation because it could be what we talked about earlier. I mean, you might be looking at it from a different perspective than they were and they actually might be correct, I guess. But, uh, that was the biggest transition. Um, I've had to kind of overcome and something I'm still kind of overcoming. Uh, but, uh, going from captain to BC, what, I mean, have you noticed like a change in in your approach to things or the way that you approach things? Uh, I want to say no, (laughs) that's the answer I want to give you. But, uh, I do believe that I have seen a change. I tend, I, I find that I look things more globally than I did before. Before I was responsible as a captain for a company, I was responsible for a station. Uh, this crew was, you know, my responsibility. Training. I had. I've had great engineers. I've had great firefighters. Uh, so when I switched to battalion chief, I kind of went into it thinking, yeah, you know, I know the the job description. I've I, I've worked up into the position a lot. Uh, I've had great battalion chief mentors. Um, so I went into it slightly comfortable but have come to realize that not only have my expectations changed, uh, my view of the organization has changed. The questions that I get asked now, I have to look at from an organizational perspective more than for the company perspective. And I think I just look at bigger things. I look at target hazards differently that were now the whole my whole district is my target hazard as opposed to just my company's first two target hazards. And I think about those things a lot more than I did previously. Yeah. Do you think, uh, I, I guess you get a different vibe, I guess with the crews. I mean, it's gotta be weird, right? Going from a captain, you know, you're with the guys all the time and now you're bouncing around from station to station, talking with the captains, talking with the crews, but, I mean, do you feel like you're still one of the guys, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just kind of a weird transition. I think it's just one day you're sitting at the table with all the guys training on the training grounds with them. And the next day you're driving around in a rig all by yourself. Yeah. I think that's the biggest part is a lot of time for self-reflection. Now, uh, when you're a captain and at Jim, when you, you could talk about this too, but when you're a captain, oftentimes you take your engineer and they're your right hand man, right. Or woman. 
uh, you bounce a lot of things off of that person. Your driver hears about your life. Your driver hears about the department problems. Your driver hears about the battalion chief that just came down with this new rule. Uh, as a battalion chief, you don't have anybody sitting there to bounce those things off of. So there's a lot more time for self-reflection. Uh, like you said, you know, multi-company drills are going on and I have to be in a, a meeting over something, you know. And so I do feel like I've, I've lost a lot of that personal connection, you know, with, with people. I still think that I have great friends. Uh, I'm, when I'm off duty, I do try to really surround myself with uh, good people, uh, passionate fire people, and then a lot of guys that aren't in the fire service because sometimes you can get too much fire stuff in your life. And I know that's kind of cliche, but... Uh, I like to have somebody I can talk to about fishing, right? Instead of uh, the airplane crash or the structure fire. Because we talk about that 48 hours at a time. Yep, even when we get off, you know, off shift and we get together. And, I mean, shit, uh, Ox and I were on his boat uh, the other day. And we just end up talking about, you know, fire service related stuff. So, uh, I mean... At your level, you know, as a captain going from engineer to captain, did you kind of see the same transition? I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different from BC to captain, but there but, has to be some transition. Rusty, I, I think so. I could just point out, as a battalion chief, I didn't get the invite to the boat. So <laughs> I think that kind of played itself out. <laughs> oh, fair. That's right. That's right. No, uh, the transition, you know, I think I drove for a lot, a lot, a lot of time, uh, 13, 14 years Uh uh, and fortunately, you know, uh, Justin, I drove for Justin a lot of years. Uh, some people say it is weird to have, you know, what side of your, your transition to supervision it is on, you know, having a younger supervisor compared to your age. Uh, I don't see the difference. I think if the mission's the same, um, it, it works itself out. Uh, fortunately for me, I was able to uh, grow a lot. I owe a lot of my, uh, I guess, my own mentorship to a lot of people. Uh, but Justin had a huge impact on on my career in the captain level of where how I manage leadership and how I manage the firehouse. Uh, I did have to change. Uh, I tell this I, I tell people all the time. I know I've told you, Rusty, is is going into it as a driver. You would hear, like he said, you would talk to your driver, and you would hear some of the internal issues or some of the things that maybe weren't agreed upon uh, at the company level per se or station level or whatever. And then you would have the bark of being just like, oh, man, just tell them, you know, just go up there and smack them around. Just tell them we ain't doing it, you know. And uh, I never, uh, just to be honest and, and humble and really to eat crow a lot about it, which I've told Justin and even uh, Chief Clutter about, was I had to eat crow that way. Because it, it, when I got into the position, and I swung up for a while, too, and in the position, but when you do it every day, when you know going to work every day, that there isn't a, a fall guy. You are the guy, you know, that's responsible for that company and that house. Um, it changes. You do. I, I, I use the analogy of being you have to have a kind of a paddle and a pom-pom kind of thing, right? So you have to kind of talk about a little bit encouraging the guys, but then also hold the line. And, and I think that's that's the balance. And it's not, I wouldn't say it's hard. Like I said, I want to say that I, I didn't have a huge transition, but there was definitely things that didn't come to light until I actually started doing it on a, on a, a steady basis that really opened my eyes. 
Yeah. And I think a lot goes to like how you carry yourself even before you get promoted, even before you get the swing up status. Right. So when you become a swing up engineer and you're just acting the same, once you get promoted, there's no, shouldn't be any drastic change in the way that you approach things, you know? And, and I think that's what, uh, when people lose a lot of respect for an individual because they start acting different once they get the title, right. Or they get to either, you know, both sides of the spectrum, getting relaxed or, you know, uh, holding people to a fine line or holding fire under their ass that they'd never done before. And I think what you talked about earlier was approach with your crew or with your shift. And it's just kind of how, if you make them feel like a grown ass man or a grown ass woman, like they are and make them feel appreciated and not like a number, uh, I think, uh, that's just going to help a lot, um, with, the transition, I keep saying transition, but the change in title and the change of roles and responsibilities from, you know, engineer to captain or captain to a BC. Yeah. I, I, I think the, the approach word is the, probably the best word to use in that, in that situation. Um, like I said, I, to me, I think there's a huge human element to it and we refuse to look at it from the human element. We always look at it from a subordinate element or some employee issue or something like that. And although we're at work, I get it, uh, but the same right, it doesn't. When we respect the business that we're in and the things that can change as fast as they can, uh, I think earning the respect, because it is a, a bilateral respect thing, you don't just get it. And I think that's a big problem that I think some people fall into is they get a different trend or uh, position and all of a sudden, they, it comes with a trailer full of respect, and that's not really how it works. So uh, I don't go to work uh, personally thinking somebody's going to cut my legs out from under me. I, I come to work. Uh, I want to know about your family. I want to know some of the issues going on because it does reflect on the crew and the company's level of how they're going to do that shift because you're dealing with other issues. So approach is the right way to go about it. I think it's the only way you can be relative with the individual um, to be able to gain any kind of respect or relationship because that's where – um, one of my biggest mentors was Chief Jeff Welch, who, you know, several, several hours of conversation with him over the years. Uh, he said that there's, it's not to really build friendships in the fire service, it's to build relationships. And that was a huge thing that he had taught me, and I've carried it a long way with me. Friendships are established later on, but the relationship is really what matters. So, Yeah, I think uh, we sat through a class, what was it, from Jared, Jared Sergi, right? Yeah. Norfolk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't remember. What was the name of that class? Trial by... Oh, no, it was... Uh, mortar leadership was, or something like that? No, it was... Um, God. Mortar or something. Yeah. It, well, basically, it Fire was... leadership mortar. Yeah. It, it, basically, it was like a leadership class and building relationship amongst your crew and stuff. And something that he said, and I know that, uh, Justin, that you, you did this and you practiced this, was, you know, writing down in like a notebook or... Uh, the names of the individuals in your crews, their hobbies, their spouses, their kids' names, and just kind of going the extra step uh, and actually knowing who they are, not just when they're in a the uniform, but if you see them at a grocery store off work or if you see the wife at, you know, a store or something like that, you could, you know, hey, say hello to Elizabeth or little Jimmy and little Tina or whatever, but uh, just kind of going the extra step because I think building those relationships is absolutely huge to make somebody feel appreciated because, when I come to work or I, you know, come to the job, I, I'm extremely excited. I love working the job. And I think the moment that I'm not enjoying it, I don't have those great relationships with my officer, with, with my crew members. I really need to truly evaluate uh, myself. So, yeah, it's interesting too, because 
as, as we look at the promotional process, and I think you mentioned some of it earlier that, uh, every department goes through this during the process, everybody's going the extra mile and you see those individuals that have changed, you know, for the process, if there's an opening, they become different people than what they normally are. And, and every department goes through that. We've talked about that at almost every training that we've taught together in the hotel room late nights. And, uh, I think it's important to those people that care about other people, those ones that say, Hey Jim, how's your kids? You know, Hey, I know you just had a baby. How's mom and the baby doing? Uh, you take those little steps and you're going to be the one that the whole department thinks is going to get promoted. Not the one that gets promoted based on score or placement. You're going to be the one that the whole department's like, Jim's going to, Jim's going to get promoted. This one's his better be his. We think it's his. And those are, those are relating to people asking about families, knowing about them, uh, having a relationship with them, uh, I think makes a big difference in that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that's, that's it. You want to hear that push non-verbally, right? Or you hear it verbally, but it's through other people. You want to hear your name brought up in conversations in a positive light. Promotion shouldn't happen where you're like, what happened? Like who, what, that should not be the conversation, nor should it make any individual feel 100% confident, regardless if you're liked or not in the department. But I think what Justin's saying is exactly what I was hoping to feel when I was going through the promotional process is that people were pushing for me to become an officer or leader that they wanted to follow at that level. So I just did some interviews, you know, not too long ago. And one of the questions was define leadership. That was a question to new hire firefighters. So we had everybody from 18 to, you know, 40 uh, in this interview. And I was blown away at the lack of responses, the lack of good responses, even the cliche characteristics. I mean, the way that some people view leadership is crazy to me. Yeah, I wonder. <clears throat> yeah, that Those are one of those things is just, to me, it, there's... A right, there's right answer and there's a wrong answer, right? And and the variety of answers that you hear in like interview type questions, I wonder if that's just almost just kind of like prepping too much, not just giving your honest take, or maybe it's just life experience or never take being putting yourself out there in a leadership role where you truly understand the importance of leadership and truly understand what it means. Yeah, I, and we just got out of I just got out of a what nine day quarantine with uh, five other guys. Uh, the, our department puts us up in a hotel room in our, in individual rooms. And we've had, we had a lot of late night discussions and a lot of it was over a lot of these, these things. And I think, uh, some of it comes back to that Jocko podcast where, uh, you know, good, like you didn't get the promotion you wanted. Good. Gives you more time to prepare. You didn't get you know, and, and we listen to that a couple of times. And every time something like that happens to me, I always refer back to that. Now my station uses that for everything. We didn't, you didn't get the chicken thighs you wanted for dinner. Good. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's funny. Cause you're talking about, uh, promotions and not getting a promotion. And I had that happen in my career. And, uh, it honestly, looking back at it, I, I could, gladly say I'm glad it happened to me because uh, I learned a lot about myself and where I thought I was and where I actually was uh, in regards to uh, 
uh, that process of things. Cause I was the number two guy on the list. And I felt like in my mind, like I was number one guy, there's, Hey, I'm the guy, you know, just, just pick me. And it, it wasn't the case. Uh, I didn't get promoted at that point in time. And honestly, that was probably the best thing ever happened to me because I exactly right. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I, I took it pretty rough and I'm not going to lie, but after a period of time, I just had a, you know, a kind of a self-evaluation almost and talking to, uh, you know, mentors and whatnot and just say, Hey, Rusty, this is just take, this as a learning experience. It's fine. You know? And, um, I don't know. I just kind of, you know, took the water, splashed my face and kind of having like almost like an awakening, you know? Yeah. And, and how you respond to those, you know, I don't want to call it failures, uh, but how you respond to a lot of those can help you grow as well. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, there's no, I think any feedback you can get on whatever process, even if you can speak, uh, you know, after the promotional process goes through to go back and find some feedback on, how you could improve or what was different that's always a good opportunity but you know like you said everybody has some sort of uh setback uh in their career of some sort uh and i think if you don't embrace that uh i guess that actual um time that you're going through that to actually not just make yourself better because sometimes it doesn't mean that you were not the best per se uh, just means that it just didn't work out for whatever reason in a scoring process or something like that that came up for the evaluators to say, hey, we're just going with the other person. Um, but I, I, I don't always look, and I think watching you grow, Rusty, just not to put you on the spot, but watching you grow through that um, that time of of that setback for you has been has been miraculous for me to watch as a, as a growing period, and that's what I, I think proves to me that taking those setbacks and, and – and reflecting on them is, is a huge thing, you know, and then taking those and building people up from them, you know, and I, and I think that's a good transition uh, for other people to learn from saying like, well, he's really good. I have a lot of respect for him, but he didn't get promoted the first time either. So it really goes a long way and resonates to other people when they don't get their opportunity either. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would be easy just to sit here and bullshit somebody and say, Hey, it didn't bother me, but it, it you know, it did. I'm not going to lie. But uh, it's truly about the, that's really your opportunity to bounce back and get better, uh, learn from whatever issues that you had. And, uh, it's like getting an injury, right? You could just sit there uh, on your, on your bottom and just whine and complain about it. Or you could go hit, you know, physical therapy, get your, get your leg strong, get your knee strong again and come back stronger and uh, learn from that mistake or whatever happened and, and, and get better from it. Yeah. I don't think we ever got a, uh, intro from you, Rusty Kramer. An intro? Yeah. What do you mean? An introduction. Introduction. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, well, since we're 31 minutes, 32 <laughs> minutes into it. But, yeah, I mean, uh, went to the Marine Corps uh, for five years, did two combat deployments, one Iraq, one Afghanistan. And then after the fire service, uh, I was kind of, I don't know, kind of point in my life where I was on top of the world seeing things that not a lot of people get to see. And. Uh, have experiences where I'm getting shot at, getting blown up, and now I'm getting ready to become a civilian because my plan was only to do five years. I mean, I was married. I'm still married to my, my high school sweetheart, so I'll make sure that sounds clear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, so I was getting out of the Marine Corps, and um, I was like, well, I guess I'll 
go to school. I think that's what, you I mean, I got a GI bill. And I think that's what everybody does. Right. I, I guess that's what I'll do. And so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was talking to a buddy we're like, well, you should look at a radiology technician and you go to school for two years and you get paid really well. I'm like, yeah, I'll look at that, I guess. So I started going to school for that, taking care of all my classes. And one of the requirements was that you had to volunteer like a certain amount of hours at a hospital in, in that department. So I was able to get into the hospital and do volunteer work. And I was there for I don't know, a couple of months and it just hit me one day. I'm like, I mean, it was, it was fine. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it's a good job. Don't get me wrong, but it just wasn't for me. It was too routine. It was too, it was the same thing every single day. I, I, I want to feel like I've, you know, I want to help. I want to make an impact in somebody's life. I want to be a part of that brotherhood that I felt in the Marine Corps. And, uh, that individual on my left and right flank is, is relying on me as much as I'm relying on them. And, uh, and that's when I found the fire service. Uh, I volunteered for a couple of years at district 10 outside of Spokane County. And then I got on with Kootenai County, uh, fire and rescue. And I've been there six years. Uh, and I was promoted to engineer, uh, this last November. Uh, and I'm out here at station two on Redshift, And, uh, I mean, really haven't looked back. I'm pretty, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine myself in any different position right now. I, I love the department. I love our shift. I love my crew. So that's just, I, I guess, a quick down and dirty about myself. Yeah. I think that's a good transition into backstep as well. Rusty's going to be teaching a class at our backstep symposium, which is coming up October 23rd and through the 25th, 22nd through the 25th. We added a day this year. Uh, we, we're going to do two hands-on days, a truck class, an engine class, and then we have some uh, pretty phenomenal speakers for the weekend. Yeah, well, isn't... So the hot class, is, the engine ops is sold out, correct? Yeah, engine ops and truck company ops. The hot classes are sold out. The hot class is sold out this year. But we still have uh, the presentations, the, the lecture portion, I should say, uh, and... I mean, if, if you listen or you look at feedback from last year, I mean, we had Chief Isaacson come over uh, from Florida uh, to present, and he, it was an absolutely outstanding conference last year. And this will be the third year of this the conference? This will be number three, yeah. Yeah, so, and do you, you want to talk to a couple of the instructors that are coming? Yeah, so uh, we essentially started Backstep to just bring in some national-level uh, talent to our area up here in North Idaho. That was kind of the only reason... Uh, we really started it. We did crash zone for several years uh, where we'd have 60 students, 60 cars. We brought in instructors, extrication instructors from the local area and then also some from the outside area. And this kind of led into Backstep, which so this year, uh, the truck company class uh, is going to be Brian Matson from Seattle, Steve Reno from Bellevue, Leif Anderson from Seattle Fire. Uh, they're going to be doing truck company ops we're going to concentrate on commercial and residential ventilation for, for that day. That's going to be an eight to 10 hour day. Uh, the next day, Friday, we're going to have, uh, engine company ops, uh, Kevin Shea, uh, retired out of FDNY. We have Jerry Herbst from Elkhart, Brian Scott from Elkhart, uh, Will Allen from Glacier Rescue Solutions. He's over from the Kalispell area. And we have Matt Hopple and Sean Biggins from Billings Fire coming over. So that'll be the engine company class on, on Friday. Uh, both of those are filled are filled. I've heard that, uh, we might have two openings in the engine company class coming up. So is there a, a wait list that people could get on for those? Uh, the best or? way to get on the wait list is to email us at second do training at gmail.com. Just okay. email me. Let me know you want to be on the wait list. Um, 
We have lots of openings still for the lecture days, which is Saturday, Sunday, the 24th, 25th of October. Uh, we have the functional fire company from Chief Thompson out of Texas. He'll be coming up. Uh, we also have Sunday. We're going to have the not-so-new firefight from Chief Pete Van Dorp. Uh, and then from military, from military deployment to the fire scene, uh, basically making decisions under fire from our very own Rusty Kramer. That's going to be Sunday as well. So we still have uh, tickets openings uh, for the Saturday-Sunday class. Yeah, and something that we're going to do uh, is in the upcoming weeks to backstep, um, we're going to have different instructors or different presenters that are going to be a, a part of backstep. If that's the hot classes or the lecture portion, we're going to try to get them come on the podcast and just kind of talk about themselves and uh, what they're teaching or we'll just see where the conversation goes, but that's kind of the goal for the next coming weeks. But uh, I, I, what I want to talk about, and I don't want to miss this because I think it's really important is uh, backstep was kind of an inspiration from somebody that's, I know very important to both of you guys. And uh, if you guys could talk about that. Yeah, I'll start real quick and Jimmy can, can tag on uh, Yeah, backstep, basically all the proceeds from the backstep, uh, for the last couple of years have gone to the Jeff Welch Memorial Fund. Uh, chief Welch was a fire chief. Uh, he was a firefighter's fire chief. He was a mentor to us. He taught for Second Dew for several years. He was one of the founding members of Second Dew. Uh, he built a lot of the classes that we currently teach. Uh, the, the thing I learned most from Chief Welch was how to talk to people, speak to students, relate to students. And, uh, he passed away last, last June. And, uh, so we, we've been last year's, uh, backstep symposium, all the proceeds went to the Jeff Welch Memorial Fund. And then this year, uh, all the proceeds are again going to go to the Jeff Welch Memorial Fund. Yeah. It, it, you know, the, the cause is inevitable. It's, it, it's, it's what it's worth it. You know, for us to to honor him going forward, uh, he's given back so much of his time uh, across the country. Uh, he's an FDIC instructor for a long time, um, but for us personally, he's he's brought so much to our uh, fire service careers and our personal lives, uh, just on how to carry ourselves in the fire service. Uh, I've known him since he was my fire chief back in nineteen nine or two thousand. I uh, believe he came to Hayden Fire. At, nope, nineteen ninety nine. Take that back, and. Uh, so, and like Justin said, he's a firefighter's fire chief, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, he just stays relative with the craft, uh, stays relative with the guys. And uh, uh, it was just something that was so uh, impressive to us was to see how he could um, basically uh, be around people and then how his impact on people, just meeting them, his impact on their their. Uh, um, whether their views, their attitudes, whatever, just watching them in, in just the moment of being able to sit down with somebody, even during a training exercise, to just get down on their knees together um, and and just have a conversation about what the feedback of how we can do something different. And the response that he gets from that stuff was very impressive, and I think that's what we try to carry forward, uh, not just a backstep with all the, all the classes that we try to you know teach with second day training. Yeah, that was something I noticed right away when I first uh, met Welch. Is he just made you feel like a person. Uh, when I first met him, I, he was the instructor. I was the student. And, uh, man, the stuff that he would pull out, like you always say, going beyond the book, uh, 
that's something he would just pull little tricks of the trade out. Right. And it just, it just blew your mind. Something so simple that he would look at it from a totally different perspective and just present it in a different way. And you're like, I never even thought about looking at it that way. Yeah. It's just kind of the way that he, that he lived his life too. It was awesome. I think, you know, a lot of backstep too. We started two years ago. Uh, we had fit to fight fire. John and Tom came up. Uh, Chris Slayer, we've had Andy Stumpf, uh, Chief Isaacson, uh, Blaine Porter from Coeur d'Alene City. Uh, we had a mix of a lot of different areas of the country, which I think is what makes this symposium so great is that we get views from everywhere. And Welch kind of was that same way. You know, he, he brought a different view that a lot of us thought to ourselves, why, why didn't I think of that? You know, I should have known that. And that, and that's what I enjoyed the most. Yeah. He just kept it real simple. I think the common, he just brought the fire service craft to a common sense mentality and was able to kind of, uh, bring it down to a level that everybody can achieve. I think there was, the expectation was never, uh, you had to be some badass per se to, to move a, a deuce and a half or, or climb a ladder this way or bail out a ladder this way. It was just all in simple terms of being able to just focus on the details. And he'll always say devils into details, but he said them in a way that wasn't so detailed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you look at, uh, backsteps, kind of their roster of what's coming this year to be presented from the hot classes to the lecture and look at last year's it's, if you go there, you're going to find something that is just going to be, you know, speaking towards you. And that's what I like. It's not a bunch of, you know, instructors or, uh, individuals are come to speak that are exactly the same. They have the same mindset. They have different approaches. They have different ways that they're looking at things. And I think that's what makes backstep, you know, a, a very, um, uh, it, it's just a great environment to go to. Um, it, are you, are we doing, uh, what's it? the night before or two nights before. Yeah. Uh, well, so we, we have lots, we, we partnered with the fools core fools. Uh, so we're going to do tactics on tap. We're going to have, uh, hopefully the truck company guys. I know for sure are the instructors are going to do a tactics on tap with us. And then, uh, I'm sure we can get the engine company guys to do one Friday night. Uh, we're going to have a fool's bash Saturday night. So it's a full, you know, four days of events. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if you're looking to expand your horizons to ch- challenge yourself to, uh, just grow, not only as a person, but you know, as a, as a fireman, uh, I, I this is a can't miss, uh, you know, events. Uh, I recommend it. I've been to it the previous two years. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be part of, uh, uh, giving a lecture on Sunday, but, uh, yeah. So if you have the opportunity, if October 22nd to 25th, you got nothing going on, you're not going hunting or doing something like that. Uh, I recommend come check it out. Uh, just one more time. Can you tell them, uh, how they can find the info on backstep and how they could register or ask you questions about it before we close this out? Yeah. So, uh, second training.com that's two ND training.com, uh, forward slash or backslash, uh, backstep. Uh, that'll take you right to the page for backstep. It's, it's in the top menu. If you just go to secondutraining.com. Uh, if you have any questions, you can always email us secondutraining at gmail.com. Right on. Well, that's all I think we have, uh, today. I appreciate you guys giving your perspectives on the topics that we talked about. I appreciate your time. Uh, and like I said, 
the next upcoming weeks until backstep between here and October, which is a good amount of time. We'll bring in guests from that uh, this year's kind of roster of what's being presented. And also we'll try to reach out to some previous guys, like maybe like Andy Stumpf, Chief Eisenson, and yeah, see if they'd Slayer. be able to come off Slayer to come on. And we'll we'll see what guests we could bring on and what topics we could be talking about. So uh, that's all I got. Right on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.